Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. The Brian Buffini Show is five years in existence, and I can't believe I'm only getting around to the content I'm going to teach today at this time. But it seems like this is the right time. And so I've had an idea in mind to share this stuff for many, many years. I had an experience in 1990, yes, I'm old, that changed my whole life. I was asked to teach a Sunday school class for the church I attended. And they wanted me to teach on business principles from the Bible. Now, it was somewhat daunting. I was in my mid-twenties at the time. There were 40 people in the church that had masters of divinities from different universities around the place. And here they were asking a young real estate guy to teach biblical principles to an adult Sunday school. Now, 200 people showed up for this class every Sunday morning. My Irish accent was a little thicker and harder to understand at the time. Uh, I didn't have kids knocking it out of me every minute of the day. I had not taught a class of any kind in my life. So I laid out these seven principles in the scriptures. And by the end of the course, there was standing room only each Sunday. And like any good teacher, if you really connect with your content, it'll change your own life. You know, they say, those who can do and those who can't teach. There's many people with, as they say in the speaking business, clay feet, where they don't practice what they preach. And I just find for myself is that when I teach stuff, if I don't live it out, I actually can't do it. It's like being solar powered. And the minute you don't practice what you preach, the power goes away. And for me, I think the, the great source of energy I get is the stretching of myself and the growth in pursuing personal growth and development, examining my own shortcomings and, and the areas I'm stuck or not achieving or stinking thinking, whatever it is, and then making those changes and applying them and then teaching from the perspective of what I've learned and what I've applied. That's where we get to the mindsets and the motivation and the methodologies of success and all those three things happen. Well, that's what happened to me as I started teaching this course. I realized during the seven weeks that I'd been applying these principles somewhat, but I had not totally committed to them in my business. So at the end of the course, Physician Heal Thyself, I went out and really made a commitment to all in, all in, just an all in commitment to apply these principles in my business and see where they took me. As a result of doing it, my business doubled every year for the next five years. Imagine you go from 100 to 200, from 200 to 400, from 400 to 800. That's what happened. So if I entitled this program, How to Double Your Income Every Year for the Next Five Years, you'd probably get an awful lot of takers. The fact that I'm venturing into scriptures, principles from the Bible, and we know the culture we live in today where the secular is dominating the sacred. And uh, uh, again, Matters of religion and spirituality are often preferred to be kept private. And also then those that are not private 
about it sometimes are very awkward in how they communicate it, and so it creates animosity. So here I am today, and I just feel like I got to share the stuff that made me who I am. And if I could show you a way, as the salesman says, to double your business every year for the next seven years, wouldn't it be shame on me if I didn't do it? So this content, after I taught it, it transformed a young real estate agent into becoming an extremely accomplished business owner with a platform to share his success with others. So whether you're a church-going person or not, a Bible-believing person or not, I feel like I have done a disservice by not sharing these principles before today. I also think it's very important that I do share where I get my inspiration from. You know, I recently heard a public speaker teach on Acres of Diamonds, and never once did he mention Russell Conwell and where it all came from. He was presenting as if it was his own content. Now, shame on him. And shame on me if I don't tell you guys about the seven principles that changed my life and business forever because they came from the Bible. And so I'm going to share that with you. And here it goes. I'm not going to give you the whole seven-week study, but a little overview, and hopefully this helps. So this will be short and sweet, but very, very powerful. So as I was teaching the class, I was talking to these folks that I built my business by way of referral, and the philosophy of referrals was the first thing I taught on. And the number one question was, well, why does it work? Well, here's the verse of why it works. And it's uh, from the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. And it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men. Well, again, I'm an amateur Bible scholar here, but I'm going to share with you how it worked for me. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. That's the law of the sower, right? You reap what you sow. That's where it comes from. And if you put in the hard work, you get a chance to have the rewards. Now, in our world today, people are promised the rewards without the effort. People actually want to reap without sowing. I want all the benefits. I want to invest in Dogecoin and I want to be a millionaire overnight, or whatever. Or people want instant success with their business. And so don't be deceived is the warning. Don't be be fooled. God isn't mocked. You know, don't make a joke of God. He set up principles that the world is built on. Whatever a person sows, that will he also reap. So when you do good marketing activities and good lead generation activities and good sales skills, if you really serve people well, put their interests before yours, and you do it consistently. And then it says an encouragement. Don't lose heart. Let us not lose heart in doing good. You know, the whole working by referral system is about doing good to people. And that means you get to be a giver, and it means you get to go first. Well, then you give and give and give. Sometimes you feel depleted, and you go, man, am I ever going to receive anything? Don't lose heart. Keep doing it no matter what. Keep doing the good. Keep giving. Keep being relentless in doing the good. For in due time, there's the patience, right? The lack of instant gratification. In due time, we shall reap if we don't grow weary. And we can all get weary in doing good. We can all get weary and, you know, we've had people work in our referral systems and being coached for many, many years. And people get weary all the time. We all get weary. So then, while we have opportunity, which means in this life, in this good life we have, let's do good to all men. Boy, 
you know, I, I just, I love this stuff. I find just great depth in the scriptures. I find principles to live by. And again, I could spend an hour talking about that. But I think there's just some great pieces in there. And that's ultimately why this thing works. Because it's the way the world was designed. Don't grow weary in doing good. Keep chipping away. You're going to reap what you sow. Keep sowing the good stuff, sowing the good stuff. Sowing the good stuff into your family. Going the good stuff into your body. You know, if you just don't give up. You know, you started the weight loss program. You've been eating right. You're not seeing the results. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Keep doing it. In due time, we'll reap if we don't grow weary. And then at the main thing, we have opportunity. While we have the opportunity, let's do good to amen. And that really gets up to the second principle that changed my life. And it's, how are we to serve? And so this is from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And it says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Now, I would say this. This is at the heart of every training I've ever done for a salesperson. And again, I'm not a pastor. This isn't a church. But that if you go back, if those of you have been studying our training programs and you know our average client makes 10 times that, of their typical competitor. How does that happen? Oh, that Buffini, is he a genius? No. I mean, this is where I got this stuff from. And if you look at it, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. We live in the most conceited time in human history. The average person takes 450 selfies a year. We take all these selfies. We have Self Magazine. We have Instagram influencers. Now, look, nothing wrong with that. I have a couple of kids that do this stuff and have a million people checking out their videos or whatever else. But don't do it out of selfish or empty conceit. Ego. Ego. How many of you have ever run into a salesperson with a big ego? Anybody with a big ego. And it always comes in boasting and arrogance and all that type of nonsense. But with humility of mind. So in your mind. Not, not with your words. Not with your words. But in your mind. Humility of mind, let each one of you regard the other as more important than himself. That is unnatural. That's why I, when I talk to my marketing team, I'm always going, think from the client's perspective. Think from who we're trying to reach. Think, think from their perspective, not how well this looks or how pretty the design is or what happens a lot in organizations. Well, this is a really efficient way for us to do things. You know, this would save us a lot of hassle. This would save us a lot of time. This might even save us money. And I'm always the same. I don't care what it saves us. Each one of you regard the other person as more important than yourself. I'm always thinking from the client's perspective. Now, I think I've got a gift in that area. It's why when I'm on stage, I know what an audience is thinking and reacting to. Now, I kind of know ahead of time when I'm preparing content. But when I'm on stage and there's thousands of people, People will come away going, he was just talking to me. And the reason being is I'm not on stage thinking, what are they thinking of me? I don't care. I'm thinking about regarding the audience. I'm thinking about you. When I go to do a podcast, I'm thinking about you. I am. And I do it as an act of service. So I consider you more important than me. Your interests more important than my interests. 
And that's because don't merely look out for your own interests. Have you ever met a salesperson who you could tell it was a transaction? They, they were trying to make a buck and they weren't really there focused on your interests. I've had so many of these interactions lately. And it's like, okay, well, gr I'm glad this is easy for you. I'm glad I'm making it easy for you or so on and so forth. Or you're just, they're not that turned on by serving or solving the challenges me as the customer's facing. We've all experienced this. Again, it's all here. I'm telling you, when I went deep with these principles, I read these verses every morning when I went to work. I had them printed up in my office. I talked to my staff about them. When we went deep with this, our income doubled and then doubled and then doubled and then doubled. I did not think, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire if I do this. That was the last thing on my mind. I just wanted to be more faithful with my business. And so, why the philosophy of referral works, reaping and sowing. How are we to serve our clients without ego and about our own interests? Put their interests first. Then the next thing that was very important, and this is where, again, I went from being a, a real estate agent to a businessman, which was, how are we to plan? And there's a book of Proverbs. Now, the Proverbs are written mostly by a fellow named King Solomon. And King Solomon was considered the wisest man who ever lived, type thing. One of the things we know as a historical character is he was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. And he wrote a book called the Book of Proverbs, which is a lot of practical things and little quips and uh, idioms to follow. And he said this, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And then a verse that is the verse that my wife and I kind of became our marriage verse, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on all your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. So commit your works to the Lord. You know, when I build a plan, and it, by the way, this presumes you're going to have a plan, right? So commit your works, which is your plans to God. So the first presumption there is you're going to have a plan, okay? So we need a plan. The second thing, in my case, I committed them to God and said, all right, I can hold this up. I can show this to God and say, God, this is something I want you to bless and that I'm going to say, this is what I think I should be doing, and I'm going to try and do it the right way. It says, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so, again, staying open, staying humble, that little inner voice. And then trust in the Lord with all your own heart and lean not on your own understanding. You know, my own understanding has gotten me into some real pickles. <laughs> so uh, sometimes it's good not to lean on your own understanding. The biggest business mistake I ever made was leaning on my own understanding and not listening to my wife's advice. Today, I, I have many consultants and counselors and so on and so forth. Now, I, at the end of the day, I'm going to listen to the small voice, and that's what I'm going to commit to. But I, I, I have a plan. I want to commit it to God. I make sure that I'm not just trusting in myself, that I'm trusting in God. And in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. And I found that to be the case. The next principle I covered at that Sunday school class was how are we to go about working? And, you know, it's interesting today in the, in the world we live in that, you know, work has become this hot debate. I mean, I just think work is very, very important for a human being. So much more so than what you get paid for. Obviously, getting paid is... That's a reflection of the market. It's a reflection of your talents, your gifts, your skills, and your work ethic, your attitude, and your effort. And so the market will reflect accordingly. But this was how are we to work. And, and I think right now a lot of people are getting confused by this. There's people that are getting paid not to work. And they think it's great. And 
I, I'll tell you, you know, the idea of work is not just to have money in the bank or food on the table. The idea of work is what it makes of you. And it's a great reflection of your character. So as you're working on your work, you're working on yourself. You're working on your life. So how are we to work? This is a, a verse in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 23 to 24, for those of you who are going to follow along later. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. So let me just walk you through this. This is something that I have failed in miserably for many years. I definitely have a little bit of the people-pleasing gene in me. I think culturally my family has this. I think on a bigger scale, Ireland, especially Ireland that I grew up in in the 70s and 80s, Ireland's strongest core value is hospitality. A huge part of our economy was tourism and making people feel welcome and being a host is huge to me. Even with my kids today, my kids bring their friends home from college and whatever else. And I'm like, you got to tell me, how to, I want to cook them food and do this and do that. And the kids come in and they, the kids enjoy like, oh yeah, dad's barbecuing. And I go, come here, come here, come here. Find out what everybody wants to drink. And I do this every time. It doesn't matter. And that's the way it is with kids, right? You got to teach them over and over again. Like you're here to host these people. You're, you're make them feel welcome. Now, I will say that sometimes you can get caught up in man-pleasing and woman-pleasing that way, okay? And where I'm at today is people's feedback. It's not a driving force for me today. I enjoy reading all your emails. I enjoy reading all the letters I get. I'm glad people are getting so much out of the things we do and teach and coach. And I, I love hearing people's success stories. So keep sending them. I love to see it. And if you can take this the right way, I just don't, I don't need it. I don't have to have it. And the reason being is for me, when I put in the effort and I put in the work, I'm not doing it to make more money. Thankfully, I'm where I'm at today. Um, that's, not, that's not a driving factor for me anymore. Uh, I've been doing this podcast for five years. This podcast doesn't sell anything, promote anything, or advertise anything. But I do it because I felt I was supposed to do it, to reach more people. So I work heartily for the Lord rather than for men. Perfectly? No. But that's my intention knowing that the Lord, you will receive the, the reward of inheritance. And that's good enough for me. What I think about reaping and sowing is that when you work that way, you also get the rewards too. Okay? So that's where it's at. The next principle is one of the most influential alignments I have in my life. It's a story in the Bible from Matthew 25. It's a parable that Jesus taught. And this parable, when I teach this, when I think of this, I get the goosebumps. I'm getting the goosebumps knowing I'm about to teach on it right now because this so resonates with me in my heart and soul. And this really is, I'd say, the engine room behind who I am as a person. So I'll tell you the story and then I'll give you a few insights on it. For it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. And to one he gave five talents and to another he gave two and to another one he gave one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. And by the way, talents in that environment, in that time, was money. It was a unit of money. But in it, when we translate into English, it's talent. And I, I love this story both ways. I like the fact that it's money, but I also like the fact that it's talents. So he gave one five, one two, and one one, each according to their own ability. And that's important because that's true. You know, a lot of people think God's unfair and this and that and the other and whatever else. The, the truth of the matter is everybody's made differently. And different people have different talents. You know, Pavarotti got an extra measure when it came to singing. You know, 
Uh, Tiger Woods got a measure when it came to golf. Seabiscuit got a measure of it when it came to running fast. You know, all kinds of things. And it's just, there's different talents for different people. And the man went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received, so immediately, big word, the one who had received the five talents went and traded them and gave five more talents. In the same manner, the one who'd received the two talents gained two more. But he who'd received the one talent went away, dug it in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, that's an important phrase, a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five talents, and you see, I've gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one who also received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents, and see, I've gained two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Enter into the joy of your master. So let me stop there for a second. The one who had five and went and got five more has 10. The one who had two went and got two more. Now he has four. The master gave them the same recognition, which is you did everything with the talents I gave you. There's no difference in God's economy. Whatever you've been given, that's our job is to give it back. So then he goes, uh, well done. The one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you scattered seed. And then he says the scariest words, maybe in the whole Bible for me. And I was afraid. And I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered him. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. You know that I reap where I didn't sow and gather where I have scattered no seed. There you ought to have put my money at least in the bank, and on my arrival I would receive my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For to those who use what they are given, even more shall be given, and they shall have an abundance. But from those who do not use what they are given, even what little they have will be taken away. Wow. Crazy stuff. So when I started really, really immersing myself in this content, I started asking myself, how many talents has God given me? And I'm not sure I'm a five-talent guy. I'm not sure of that. I might be a two- or a three-talent guy. But I made a commitment from that day forth in 1990 that whatever I had, I was going to get the most out of it. If I was a two- or three-talent guy, I was going to give back God four or six. Whatever I had, that's what I was going to do. I was going to get the most out of it. I made a commitment that when they closed the coffin lid, I would be used up and that everything I had had been done. And I'll be telling you, I've been tested on that many times. And I've been tested two ways with success and failure. You see, the person who had one talent said, I was afraid. And when they were afraid, they played it safe. You can't get any safer than digging a hole in the ground and playing not to lose. Are you playing not to lose? Do you know that you have more talent inside you? Do you believe you're capable of more? Have you been scared and afraid and dug your talent in the ground? You don't want to be in a situation where the talent you have gets taken away from you. And by the way, without using our talents, without using our gifts, without putting it in circulation, you lose it. The old spiritual they used to sing at the African Methodist Episcopal Church that Beverly grew up in was they had a song called you gotta use it or lose it I believe that's true 
So as you're listening to me today, I'm having a private conversation with you about very private content, to be honest with you. I'm being very transparent and intimate with all of you today. But what I found, as many as hundreds of thousands of people are listening to this today, podcasting is a very intimate form of communication. So the truth of the matter is, you're listening to me one-on-one. And I just want to ask you the question, how many talents have you been given and what have you done with them? You know, the one who was a five-talent person immediately, immediately put them to work. Similarly, the person with the two talents. I'm all in. These are the talents I've been given. One of my all-time favorite quotes is from Leo Biscaglia, who says, your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. Just think about that. Your talent is God's gift to you. Those talents, are you five or a four or three or a two or a one? What you do with it is your gift back to God. So what does this all mean? Well, I know this. Whatever talents I've been given, I want to use them to the fullest. And whatever that looks like in my life, and as I talk to you today, it doesn't matter what age you are. God didn't put Moses to work till he was 80 years old. And God can also use a child. No matter what age you are, you've been given these talents at birth. You have these gifts. And the world knocks it out of you, and we lose confidence, and there's setbacks and difficulties, and there's circumstantial things go on in family and marriage and life and health and finances and society and pandemics and careers and businesses and all that kind of stuff. And we get knocked around. We, get, we know we all do. That's why I say it's a good life. It's not always a great life. But at the end of the day, I will say this fifth principle is we're to use all the gifts God has given us to his glory. That became and is now, and even as I'm talking to you right now, as I'm talking to all of you today, I feel the same stirring in my heart than I had when I was a young realtor. And as when I taught this, maybe what's about to happen for me is I'm going to go and apply at a deeper level than I have in a long time. These very same principles. These are the same principles. That's why when, when people come up to me and they ask me, or they, well, should I be doing this technique or that technique? And I know, I know full well, not only have I seen this change my life and change my business, we've trained this to tens of thousands of people. And I've seen results after results after results after results. And the reason being, this system is not based on the principle of an Irish house painter. It's built on the principles of a Jewish carpenter. And the results are very different. And that's why I know it works. And I'm 30 plus years banging this drum. And I've seen it change my life and countless people. And I want that for everyone who's listening to this today. So thanks for indulging me in this as I continue on. Principle number six, we must constantly commit to grow. Did you know that personal growth is in the Bible? Well, here it is. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you will prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. This is a small verse that has massive implications. So first of all, do not be conformed to this world. Let's just stop there. We start conforming to this world the minute we are of school age. You know, many of the things that kids naturally do start disappearing. The creativity and joy we had as a child starts disappearing. Why? Because when you're a kid, fellow kids start passing comments and making judgments about who and what you are and what you do. That's why we get to the stage, the awkward stages in life as a, as a preteen and a young teen, where all of a sudden 
All the kids look alike, sound alike, listen to the same music, do whatever. Everybody conforms. Now, here's the thing. It's easy to see that in kids. But nowhere is conformity stronger than in adults. And you see it in workplaces, environments. It's sometimes where people live and what they drive and what they wear. All dictated by conformity. And in the world we live in today, the most dangerous aspect of what I see in regards to what started as political correctness that has now morphed into this cancel culture is that this weaponized idea of conformity. That if you don't conform to a certain philosophy or ideology or practice or communication, it's, it has nothing to do with freedom of speech and freedom of mind and freedom of thought or freedom of religion. It's the opposite of all that. If you don't conform to this, you get canceled, shunned, put away, attacked. So this particular principle, I believe, might be harder to live out in our world today than at any time in human history. The pressure to conform is enormous. So don't be conformed, but be transformed. Transformed. Transformed is the word in Greek, metamorphomai, which means like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. You know, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly is the greatest expression of a person fulfilling their potential. You know, when you see a caterpillar walking along, it's kind of ugly. I don't think people collect caterpillars. Maybe somebody does. People collect butterflies. Butterflies are gorgeous. They're beautiful. They're free. They're, they're just, oh my gosh, they're just out there. But the caterpillar has to go through these very difficult stages. And that's tra transformation. You're not going to listen to this podcast and be transformed in one day. That just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in anything. The transformation is the caterpillar then turns into a pupae. And it's a life and death struggle where the caterpillar actually kind of dies in the form it is to become a pupae. And then the pupae dies in its form and becomes this chrysalis. And the chrysalis is where now all the internal organs, the, more, the, the wings are pushed, and this cocoon, if you will, of chrysalis, the, the, the butterfly has to push that cocoon out, and that's where it develops the power and the strength to fly. It develops the wings. So the internal organs in the pupae, the external application in the chrysalis, and then guess what? It becomes a butterfly. Beautiful. Beautiful to look at. It lifts the spirits of people. A sense of freedom. Butterfly just kind of floats along the wind. It kind of feels like it can go anywhere and do anything it wants. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How do you be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. I'm glad you listened to this podcast. I, I'm glad many of you have gotten into the training programs of coaching. All the books and authors I bring you. Why am I doing that? To create a renewal of mind over here to combat the conformity of mind that comes through the media, through the news programs, through social media, through all the online stuff, bang, 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 through the, the targeted programming. So when you search on YouTube or Google, you see more and more and more and more, and it becomes an echo chamber of more and more of the same. And that's why people are becoming more and more divided, because the technology is actually designed to give you more of what you want, more of what you want, and nothing of what the other people or other perspectives bring to the table. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you may prove what the will of God is. You know, the most spiritually asked question on Google is, what is God's will for my life? It's the most requested spiritual question on Google. What is God's will for my life? It says it. You don't have to Google it. It's already in here. It's in the book of Romans. 
You'll prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable to him, perfect. It's just perfect for you, tailor-made for you. You want to know what your purpose is? It's tailor-made. You've been tailor-made with these gifts. You know those talents, the five or the two or the one? It's been tailor-made. You were made for it. You're born for it. You're created for it. Don't conform. It starts with telling you what not to do. Be transformed. Caterpillar to the butterfly. And that's what gets to prove the acceptable will of God. And we do it by renewing our mind. And renewing is an everyday process. Every single day we're renewing, 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 renewing. As you can tell, I'm pretty jacked up. I'm excited about these principles. These principles have changed my life before they're changing my life right now as I'm talking to you. And the last one, the last one is the ultimate goal of our work, our business, and our lives. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, let your light shine. It's, it's funny. It was the first little spiritual song I learned back in Ireland. I, I might have been four years old. And I remember Brother O'Donoghue, who taught in the Christian Brothers School, and he brought in a guitar, and he sang this in a thick Cork accent. And how are you, boys? How are you all doing today, boys? It's great to see you, boys. I have a little song now I want to sing you, and I hope you love it. And he went on to sing, This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And that's all the songs say. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light. And, you know, for five or six-year-olds, it's the greatest song in the world because it, it just has one sentence, and you sing it over and over and over again. And, and he, he, there's, there's no, no, that's the chorus, and no doubt he has a few other things. On Monday, he gave me the gift of love on Tuesday. But he sang that, and we sang the chorus, This Little Light of Mine. How would you know that almost 50 years later, what I learned from Brother O'Donoghue is still the same principle I'm trying to do today, is to let the light shine before men in such a way that they see how I've lived a good life. And I've, like I say, the good life. You know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he said it was good. Five more, four more times in the book of Genesis, he said he made the heavens, he made the earth, he made man, he made, he said it was good. And then he looked back on everything he'd made, and he said, it was very good. And say it was awesome. Didn't say it was perfect, just it was good. And the gospel itself, the Greek word for that is the good news. And I, I say, you know, what I try to do here every single week and what I've tried to do for the past 25 years as the chairman of Buffini Company is to share the good news. And because of that, a, a flawed dude like me with all the foibles and, and, and you know, goofy parts of my personality and whatever else, highs and lows, ups and downs, not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. I'm more than happy to have my wife come on to the broadcast and tell you all the stuff that needs work. But here's what I can tell you. I've had the privilege of living a very good life. And these principles transform my business. They transform me as a person. I'm 31 years married to the love of my life. I have six great kids and a couple of great grandkids. I've gotten a chance to do work that I really love that helps a lot of people. In addition to that, the people who work for me in this vision seem to really like their work too. And we've been one of the best places to work in San Diego five years in a row because we're trying to do good in a good way. And we're trying to do it to shed a light to where the good life is. And that ultimately, to me, it all comes from God. It all points that way.
So there's seven principles. The funny part about this story is that not only did these principles change my real estate career and help me become one of the top real estate agents in the county and then the state and then the United States, by the time I was 26, 27 years of age. But it changed a lot of things. It created the impetus for me to encourage even a number of my own family members to emigrate to America. Many of them came to be a part of what I was doing. I, I also got a lot of feedback and confirmation from people as I went out and started to share what I was doing. So I would be asked to come speak at real estate conferences. And they wanted to know how this young Irish immigrant in a short, fairly short period of time was having these standout results. And I was doing it very differently than what was being taught. I didn't conform. I didn't conform to the world. The world of real estate at the time was cold calling, door knocking experts, the leading trainer in the industry for about 20 years. His phrase was this, find them, fleece them, and forget them. That was his philosophy towards how real estate agents should pursue their careers. And it was ego and stand in front of Rolls Royces and slick back hairs. And as I mentioned before, I remember going to a conference in 1991 and top realtors and they were getting together and what do you guys want to talk about? Prenuptial agreements and this and any other. What, what am I doing here? Because I wanted to do good and I wanted to do it in the right way. And I did. Now, what's interesting is that in teaching these principles 31 years ago, I'd never spoken in public before. Now, every Irishman speaks in public because we speak in a pub and we tell jokes and I could command and tell a story as well as everything else. But so could every other member of my family. So it wasn't that big of a deal. And so I remember when I got a chance to tell these stories and teach these principles in a Sunday school, here's another thing that happened. There was a old lady who later became a good friend and a mentor of me, and her name was Mrs. Noise, a person you've never heard of. But I'm doing what I do today in large part towards Mrs. Noise. And she placed a stiff finger in my chest and said, God has given you a gift, young man, to be able to speak. What are you going to do with that gift? Now, I had just talked about the parable of the talents and being a five-talent or a four-talent or a two-talent person. This woman stuck her finger in my chest. It turns out later she had done that same thing years before to a man named Jerry Bridges. And Jerry Bridges, she told him, God had given him a gift to write. And what was he going to do with that? And Jerry Bridges went on to write a book, The Holiness of God. He was one of the most best-selling authors, became the chief editor for a, a publication called Navigator Press, and, and sold millions and millions and millions of copies of his book. And Jerry and I had a small little society, and he was, he was older than me. He's passed away now. But we used to call ourselves Mom Noise Boys because she hit him with the finger in his chest maybe a decade before she hit me. She said, God's given you this gift. I can see it in you. What are you going to do with it? And so what happened is at the end of that Sunday school class, not only did I make a commitment to grow my own business, which I did, but I made a commitment that one day when I became successful enough, I would start sharing these systems and ideas I had. And I did. It was about five years later. I was asked to come speak at a real estate conference. And I did it. And for the next two years, once a month, I would share. I would go fly somewhere and share and give away what I'd been doing and how I'd been doing it. And what happened? People resonated with it because people said, you're talented at this. You have a gift in this and you have something that I want. I don't want to find them, fleece them and forget them. I want to live by my values too. I want to live by principles as well. This sounds like a kinder, better way to do business. And also you're successful. You're making a ton of money. I'd like to do that too, but I'd like to be able to sleep at night. 
I'd like to buy the nice bed and be able to sleep in it. And so when the time came, I started what was then Providence Seminars that later became Buffini and Company. And for the past 25 years, we've been presenting and coaching and training people all over the world. More than 40 countries, more than 3 million people. That all started from the same Sunday school class with these seven principles. Now, I don't know why it's taken me five years to share these with you, but I felt like today was the day to share with you. I hope this hasn't been too difficult for you in wherever you're coming from. But I don't really care. (laughs) I just wanted to bless you. This is the best stuff I have. And as I share this with you today, I can tell you this. It's rekindling in my very heart the very principles itself that changed and stirred my life. And I can feel a stirring and a change coming upon again. And I feel I'm going to go deeper and stronger into these principles before than I ever did. So that's how I'm going to apply it. That's what I'm going to do. I hope this has been helpful for you. I hope this will be a blessing to you. And I wish you the very best as you maybe apply these principles to your life and that your business and life would grow and change the same way mine has. Well, I'm going to leave you today with a little Irish blessing from my 90-year-old mom who shared with me many principles that I didn't know were from the scriptures themselves when she was a little girl and she got her training. And she shared those principles with me. And later on, as I read the Bible and started reading the scriptures, I realized, hang on a second here. My mother didn't make that up. That's where she got that from. So she's been sharing those principles with me for a long, long time, but she did it in a way that I could digest it. And I've been doing the same with you. But today you heard the whole scoop and where it really comes from. So I hope it blessed you. I hope it will be a blessing to you. I hope you listen to this many, many times. And with that said, I'm going to leave you with mom and a little Irish blessing on your way. May the road rise up to meet you and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. Thank you.